0: Jeff Waller has written over 2,000 speeches, presentations, comedy roasts, web copy pages, and LinkedIn profiles for people on every continent, every continent, Antarctica, Uh, Antarctica. Wow. I'm impressed. Uh, He has coached everyone from NFL stars to flight attendants and heart surgeons on presentation and interview techniques to win the job, win the crowd, or even a critical mother-in-law over. He's a stage performer, comedian a keynote speaker and mc for events for over two, two decades he's the author of eight books with titles such as get bitter to get better how to reclaim your confidence prove your villains wrong i love that part and win the big moments in life and the gen x code how to keep your cool during the coronavirus and other things that suck he is a travel writer as well uh he's a jack of all trades i tell you he's written guide uh tour companions for new york and montreal his latest is a novel, a work of fiction called The Path to Perfectia. Did I say that right? You nailed it. Okay, great. He's the, uh, he's also the, we're going to talk about that for sure. He's the founder of the Not Working Networking event. Um, and my favorite of all, um, you're, Jeff, you're one of these guys that getting through your bio, like half the podcast is over, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but my favorite of all is his alter ego, Joey the Mets fan. Uh, which is one of my personal living spiritual gurus seriously he joins me now from you're in New York City right you're in Queens
1: actually I grew up in Queens but I'm now in the uh, DC area
0: oh okay you're in DC okay great well he joins me now from DC welcome to the show Jeff Wallner
1: good to be here Mark and I tell you what man if you are up for an exchange program let me Crash in your Japanese pad for a little while. You can come here and enjoy these summers. I can get far better sashimi than I can get here. And we'll just call it good.
0: That is for sure. You can get better uh, sashimi here, but your pizza is better there. So, we'll, yeah, we'll do an exchange. I'll come over there and get some pizza. I, I'll get a, a a pie, a slice. You come over and get some sashimi. Uh, dude, you're amazing. Your Your posts are very reminiscent of the onion. I don't know if that's your inspiration for how you do them. They're hysterical. Some of the recent headlines are: um, Was TEDx responsible for the Third Reich? Um, <laughs> uh, Canada offers to send smoke to aid a Ukrainian war effort. Uh, Emperor Palpatine responsible for LinkedIn algorithm change. I, you know, I'm laughing before I even get to read them, and they're they're funny. Um, you know, what?
1: What is your? How did you get started on doing that? You know, the onion was always something that I loved reading, especially you know, in the late 90s when I was in college and they were really bursting onto the scene. But something happened with the onion that really turned me off to them. And then the interesting thing happened, and this is where you know, dude, we're gonna jump right into the metaphysics of comedy. How does do that it. sound?
0: Let's do it.
1: Let's rock, baby. <laughs> the uh <laughs> the onion really became a very politically polarized source of humor. Sure. And it was still very funny, but I found that they kind of had their sacred cows that they wouldn't touch. And all the satire was about like what the other guys were doing. So then the Babylon Bee shows up and the Babylon Bee decides, well, we're going to be the anti-onion. So we're going to go after all the people the onion won't touch, but we've got kind of our own sacred cows. So I'm seeing this unfold and I'm thinking the whole world is there to be satirized.
0: Yeah, and well, I have no yeah.
1: sacred cows. So why don't I find the Buddhist middle way? eliminate the polarities and just go after everybody and everything all the time and it's been awesome
0: <laughs> i love that i uh um we are already hopping all over the place for you know what i had planned out i'm, I'm jumping ahead because i was going to talk about comedic influences one of mine is is bill maher and i'm you know i actually try to avoid politics but one thing but i love politics i just try to avoid it in i don't know my branding of zen mm. sandwich so to speak uh i'm a little bit more political I'm, what was the blue bird now is X, I guess. But, um, but I, I don't do any politics on LinkedIn where you and I are more present anyway. Um, but I was a political science major in college and I do like political humor. <clears throat> and one reason I like Bill Maher, I don't agree with everything he says, but there are no sacred cows. Is that, is that how you phrased it? Like he, you yeah. know, he will criticize the right and the left, which ostracizes him a little bit from the, from the, Polar extremes of those of that spectrum. But I mean, I, I don't want those people as my fan anyway. Right. I, don't, I don't want the, those extremes. So I, I value that middle path that you're, you're talking about. Um, well, tell us about winning wit. What is it? And can you share your journey from being a comedian to starting the company what inspired you to transition from stand-up comedy to writing speeches and comedy roasts for individuals? I, I think it has to do with some kind of epiphany in Canada of all places, right?
1: Everything in life has to do with an epiphany in Canada. It could all, it, all roads lead to Rome, and Rome is like a small town in Ontario, and it's, it all just kind of comes back there. You know, I started my comedy journey back when I was a freshman in college, and I actually was a, ma- a major, major introvert growing up. Really? I was a really shy kid, and yeah. I grew up in an area where you had to really kind of keep your head down and keep your mouth shut in order to survive, and I internalized that. Well, one day, I decided, you know, what the hell, I'm going to throw off the shackles of this introversion and toss my hat into the ring, and I went to this competition in, at uh, stand-up New York comedy club in New York City, hmm. and I mean, that goes without saying, stand-up New York comedy club, where was that? Tulsa. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Uh, It was called the funniest person from Queens competition. So I entered and I won and I couldn't believe it. I'd never done comedy before and I won the competition. And I still remember some of the jokes to this day that I use up on stage. And one of them was, you know, I walked into a coffee shop and I saw this thing on the menu and it said Italian soda. So I asked the lady behind the counter, I said, ma'am, what is an Italian soda? She said, well, it's just like any other soda, except that wears black and lives in Brooklyn. (laughs) <laughs> but, but it was it was great, man. And then I spent the next 12 years just doing shows here and there, but never made a career out of it. Worked a lot of jobs I really didn't like. And then one day I was driving through Canada and then boom, it hit me. A moose, careful driving in Canada. <laughs> but the epiphany of what if I can actually take my experience on stage and my experience actually working with people in the real world and fuse them together? And I tell you, this really crystallized at a big fat Greek wedding where <laughs> I was the best man and I roasted the groom. And afterwards, a few people came up to me and they said, that was really funny, man, but you should have written the speech for the other guy who got up. And let me tell you, that was the most uncomfortable five minutes since my honeymoon night. <laughs> <laughs> and then the light bulb really went on, which was so many people out there, they have something to say, but they don't know how to say it. And when yep. they do say it, it's not funny. It's not engaging. It's not entertaining. It's not entertaining. Well, what if I can use my experience to help them become the stars of their own shows? Do you and that's the day Winning Wit was born?
0: Do you help them with that too? Like do you do you just write the speech and then you give it to them and say, okay, there you go, run with it? Or do you actually help them with delivery? because you know a lot of comedy is delivery and timing. They might have the best speech written, but if they don't deliver it well or, you know, nail it, you know, if they don't have their timing down, it's still gonna fall flat. Do you help them with that too?
1: I do, yeah. And so there's always tips and tricks that I include about how to not only deliver the speech, but also how to prepare for the speech because there's so many logistics involved and you can win or lose the speech well before the speech begins. Mm -hmm. So, so if you're a wedding, for instance, right. Mark said, all right, Mark, you are going to be the best man at this wedding. You've got to give a speech. First thing you've got to know, when are you getting up there to speak? Otherwise you're going to be out there probably with a sake in hand, (laughs) hanging out with somebody and then they're going to tap you on the shoulder hey mark it's time you're like oh oh well damn, oh, okay and then you're kind of scrambling and you're, you're out of sort so if you know in advance when you're getting up you know it's the idea yeah. of Sun Tzu preparing for battle and if you know your enemy's <laughs> battle plan you know the layout you're going to be a lot more successful
0: yeah wow that's amazing have you ever been heckled
1: oh more times than i can count man <laughs> really oh, that's yeah. what
0: that's what terrifies me Is like I, I I was having a conversation with someone recently who, who also does, who, who dabbles in stand-up comedy. And uh I, you know, we were, uh, we were saying, I said, I'm, I'm more break room funny than I am like uh stage funny. And, um and part of that is, you know, I'm more comfortable in the break room and in that setting, I can be quick to retort if someone's trying to give me a hard time, but I feel like if I was up on stage and had the pressure of, you know the lights in my face I would probably freeze I don't know like how do how do you deal with it
1: there's a couple of different ways to do it so one of them is you can just heckle them right back right now that can go a couple of different ways sometimes it can work great if you have like a really fun line you
0: don't want to back. do the Michael Richards
1: yeah um. <laughs> no, <was> recommend <laughs> that was terrible there, there's some ways of doing it so one 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 is just a straight up insult them you know, some guy yells out something. You look him up and down, and you have your moment, and you say, "Jesus, nice outfit, pal." Didn't realize the Salvation Army had a going on a business sale. Right. <laughs> so, so, are you
0: are you locked and loaded with a couple that just like so you're ready to go
1: if somebody is giving you a hard time? Yeah, generally speaking. But another way to do it is just to pause mm. and just to hold it, and just stand there and just smile. Yeah. And. There's a lot, a lot of comedians get uncomfortable with that because they feel like you have to fill the dead air, right? Just do it and watch the power of that. And you just look at that person and just smile. That is the, what an asshole you are.
0: I was going to say, do they, they start realizing like, man, I was just a total asshole. It's his show. And I'm yeah.
1: And then you bait them into continuing by doing that. And the more they yell back as you're doing that, the more the whole crowd starts to turn on them.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And
1: that's where the magic is. You let the rest of the crowd, you deputize them. (laughs) You you deputize them. Go out and take out the trash, like in the old west. Great,
0: I love it. I love it. Well, uh, there's uh, there's so much I want to ask you about. I'm I'm like I'm trying to cram it all in here. Tell tell people about Joey the Mets fan. I love him. Uh, I I love him, and I I get excited. I get excited when you when there's a new Joey the Mets fan post. Tell people who he is, and how how he attained enlightenment. He's an enlightened person. I got to tell you.
1: I, th- I think Joey has crossed the Rubicon of enlightenment. <laughs> yes. I think he is now one with, with the field. We, uh, <laughs> so Joey, the Mets fan is a guy who is a, is a really inspired from an amalgamation of real people that I grew up with in Queens, New York. And, yes. you know, he's a working class guy. He's a union guy. He's a Mets fan. He, he speaks like a working class Mets fan but he's attained this kind of enlightenment. And this character came to me when I was thinking about all the, I would say the spiritual journey that I've been on and the things that have manifested to me as truth, at least from my own perspective, I'll never claim to have any monopoly on the truth, but at least as it's been communicated or downloaded to me and, thought, you know, how can I best communicate this without coming across as some sanctimonious guru? Because Lord knows there's a whole lot of that out there. Right. And, they're not relatable and they're not approachable. And I would say the lay person just kind of tunes that out. Like, come on, get that out of my face. So, so what if that can be communicated through a character that people will be entertained by, can appreciate, can relate to, mm. is not threatening. It's just like the everyday guy, because I've never actually heard spiritual language communicated by like the everyday guy.
0: Yeah.
1: I said, so what if this character who's inspired by so many people that I know can carry this message. And it, and it just kind of came to me and I played with it one day and I said, all right, let me just create a video just for the hell of it. And and then it just became a thing. And, and I, it's been, it's been a great time ever since. So there's one being released tomorrow, actually. Oh, really? I can't wait. About mediumship.
0: Nice. That, that's what people who aren't familiar yet that might be listening to this, what I want, I want them to seek out Joey, the Mets fan, because you know, you start hearing. Uh, well, I'm not going to do an impression because you're you're the the source of the of the voice. But you start hearing that accent. And I, I used to live in New York. I used to live in Manhattan on the Upper West Side. But I've spent time in Queens and in Brooklyn. So I've met plenty of people that sound like that. So it's legit. The accent's legit. And but then the message is real. That's what's beautiful about it. It's like you know, he's Joey, the Mets fan. You know, forget about it or whatever. And then, but what he's saying is like you know it's it's real buddhist stuff i mean it's uh, there's uh, there's a lot of truth of what joey has to say give
1: give a sneak peek to the listeners out there so so for meditation right so hey how you doing it's joey the match fan here yeah? today we're going to meditate on a on, on, on medium ship and this that and the other okay so look <laughs> maybe you shed. somebody died maybe it's your grandpa maybe it's just maybe it's your bookie you know, somebody very close to, you know, you're thinking to yourself, they disappeared Where'd where they go to? You know, they disappeared. Like, you know, Francisco Lindor's bat, you know, we, we paid 400 million for him. His bat, boom, poof, disappeared like grandpa, you know? So you're asking yourself, where do I find this? But here's the thing. It never disappeared. Your grandpa never went nowhere. Else. It's just apparently disappeared back in a unified field of energy and, and the oneness of everything. Like Lindor's bat, bat and third in a lineup. You figure he ain't doing nothing. He's standing there taking strike three down a pike and he's getting paid 400 million, not doing nothing. But the bat never disappeared. And that is the Zen magic. Yeah. So it's like, a, that's yeah. beautiful. Yeah.
0: I, I think one reason I, I was, you know, as I'm listening, I'm thinking like, I, I get why I like it so much. I'm, I'm doing a different version of it. I don't have a character per se, but that's the whole idea of Zen sandwich. I I didn't, people ask me like, You know, why did I name it that? And the answer, the standard answer I usually give them is, you know, the Gandhi quote uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Well, I I wanted to be the podcast that I wanted to hear that I wasn't hearing. Like, if you go look up a Zen podcast, they put you into a meditative sleep. They're boring as shit. And uh, so (laughs) I thought, you know, I don't want to be another one of those. I want to have a little fun with it because life is fun. And, Mm you know, that's where the sandwich part comes in. So I, you know, I try to, I do talk about some serious topics like mindfulness, being present and, you know, being kind to other people, but I also like to laugh. And so, you know, Zen sandwich was born out of that. I think that's why I, I, I like Joey, the Mets fan so much. So
1: that's why I like Zen sandwich, brother. It's <laughs> the same thing. You, know, you, <laughs> you don't find a lot of guys from Alabama who were out in Japan <laughs> doing a show about about enlightenment and it's awesome.
0: Not many. Yeah. The, uh, the demand is not, uh, or the, the supply is not meeting the demand. That's for sure. Um, so who I, I'd mentioned that I was going to ask a question about comedic influences. And then I just answered the question and didn't wait for your answer. Uh, who are your comedic influences and are they different from who you like? And what I mean by that is like, I love Patton Oswald, but I don't. I don't know if I'd call him an influence because I don't tell a story the way he does. I don't. It's not my style. But I. I would watch him all day. You know, he's one of my top five favorites. Do you? Who's? Who are your influences versus who people you just love?
1: I would say they're actually they share most of the same space in the in the um Venn diagram. So mm. there's a few that really jump out to me. Rodney Dangerfield is one of my absolute yes. idols. And what I loved about Rodney is that he not only was a fantastic comedian and his delivery was so on point, but there were a couple things about him personally that I just, I love to pieces. One of them was his persistence. Mm. Think about this. Have you ever seen Rodney Dangerfield as a young man?
0: No, he, it was, he, he didn't achieve success and fame until he was old. Yeah.
1: And this is such a youth obsessed culture. Yeah. And yet every time you see him in anything, he was in his 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, he didn't break through until then, you know, he was selling aluminum siding in Long Island for decades, you know, he was making a pretty good living doing it actually, but he hated it, but Mm. he never gave up on his dream and he just kept, kept going. And he became the greatest champion for other comedians. And he started a club, Dangerfields in New York, you know, and a lot of other comedians and, you know, uh, Jerry Seinfeld and Tim Allen and Chris Rock, and they all came up through this place and he was the one encouraging them. And giving them an opportunity in a showcase and sitting with them at the bar. Chris Rock tells a story about he went to Dangerfields and he bombed. He bombed in a showcase there. He sits at the bar, drinking his miseries away, and Rodney pulls up a chair next to him. And Chris is like, hey, Rodney, I blew it, man. I'm sorry. I know you gave me a chance. And I sucked out. there." He's like, hey, come on, kid. You're okay. Listen, stay with it. You're all right. You're pretty good. <laughs> so he's given him this this encouragement when Chris Rock was going to walk away from his comedy career. Wow, can you imagine? Ronnie is 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 sitting there and, and Chris Rock talks about it to this day how Rodney was the reason he stayed in comedy and became Chris Rock.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well I want to get to the books before we uh, run out of time. Uh get get bitter to get better is a powerful message. C- can you share an example of someone you worked with who who turned a painful experience into something transformative?
1: Yeah, so there was a father of the bride in Wisconsin. I wrote a speech for a number of years ago. And he'd gone through a very painful divorce where his wife had left him for her boss. And they got divorced when his daughter was 12 years old. And his wife got custody. So his daughter ended up spending the rest of those years with his wife and her boss. And fast forward about a decade and a half later, his daughter's getting married and she wants him to deliver the father of the bride speech. But he knows that his ex-wife's of course, going to be there, and her husband, her boss, is going to be there <laughs> as well. And the divorce incident shattered his confidence. And not only did they get divorced, but his wife ran him into the ground emotionally, spiritually, yeah. mentally. She called him a loser, this, that. So his self-esteem was shattered. He put on 70 pounds, and he said, how do I stand up in front of my wife? How do I stand up in front of my daughter? How do I do this? I said, listen, man, you have this within you so i said instead of cowering from the spectacle of your wife and her new husband use that as jet fuel i said she was your villain and mm-hmm. she tried to cut you down to size. she tried to make you think you were nothing and I said but use that as your jet fuel use the energy and transmute that into power so he went to the gym he got in shape he he built his confidence back up i coached him on the whole deal and then the big day showed up he went up there his ex-wife was sitting right in the front row he looked it (laughs) right in the eye and he smiled wow and then he looked at his daughter and he gave the most beautiful speech and it brought the entire room to tears and afterwards his daughter it was amazing man his daughter gave him a huge hug and she was just the tears were just flowing down and afterwards in the hallway of the reception hall his ex-wife walks up to him and she looked him up and and she said wow I never knew you had that in you. And then he just stood there in his power and looked at her and smiled and said, I know.
0: <laughs> wow. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> I want you to coach me now. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, we'll talk talk about the recent book, uh, The Path to uh, Perfectia. Uh, th- this is your first novel, right? Your first like work of fiction.
1: This is my my second work of fiction, but this one is truly my my baby I would say and this is the first book I can say that it didn't come from me. it came through me
0: Wow I, I love how it even just starts out like uh the the protagonist is in the bar and I guess he's talking to an angel and nobody else can can see him and I mean I, I guess you know what what are talk about the book uh you know, without giving a, a whole spoiler for the whole story. And, and what are some steps that, because it's a novel, but it also, there's a message there. What are some steps individuals can take to embark on a journey of self-discovery?
1: Yeah, it's really this leaning into the idea that this whole thing is a dream. And, you know, dream is the word I use for some use shows, some use play, some use simulations, some use matrix. Mm. The word doesn't matter as much as the spirit behind it. Right the idea of, you know, first and foremost, and something that's so important on your show, and and certainly in my own life, is don't take it too seriously.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) Have fun with it. Understand that this whole thing is a big ball of clay, and you have the potter's hands, and you always do. And if this whole, it's a blank canvas, and you have the author's pen. Mm -hmm. So you can write your own story at any given point. You are the main character of this story. You are the entirety of all of existence experiencing itself through the character of you. So see yourself as a character in a movie, in a show, in a play. And how would that change the way you see the adversity that hits you in life? Rather than why did this happen to me? Think, well, I wrote it in the play. I wrote it in the show. And how fun is a show without any adversity, without any villains, without any difficulty? There'd be no plot otherwise.
0: Yeah. I, I love
1: that great, you know? yeah.
0: I, I love that, man. I love that uh perspective. Uh you, you may have answered the 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 next question. I was gonna I do a segment in each episode called Five Minutes In where I try to give people down to earth uh practical advice, something they could think about for five minutes and implement in their day and hopefully in their lives to make their day or their lives a little better. Um, my question for you was going to be what are most folks out there missing out on in life. Um, Like my answer to that question is that most people really overlook that if you've got a, it, it sounds cliche, but it's worth thinking about. If you've got a roof over your head and food in the fridge, clean water to drink, hopefully coffee and a flushing toilet, you know, you're living like royalty, like for the, like compared to most of history, of world history, you're living like a king or a queen if you've got if you've got an air conditioning in the summer and you've got heat in the winter, you know, you're living well. And it, we all so many people want so many so much more stuff and and they're focused on stuff instead of experience, instead of human relationships. That would be my answer, like what most people are missing out on life. Uh, well, what what could you add to that or what's your answer to
1: that question? Well, first of all, totally agree with that. Hundred percent. That that is so prevalent. I think something people are missing out on is childlike wonder.
0: Mm, Beautiful.
1: It's something that we all had at one point when we came into the show because we're looking around like, "Wow, look at this set!" Yeah. (laughs) Now you're like an actor stepping on the coolest set you've ever seen, and you want to just like play with everything. It's like a big amusement park, and then over time we get so preoccupied with how to survive on the set. We forget that we're even in the movie and it's all about you forget that you're even playing a role. You think it's real. And the more you think something is real, the less fun you're going to have with it. You know, I always think about, you know, to kind of bring it back to the the kind of the political thing. And I'm like you, I don't, I don't bring politics into anything. And I use it more illustrative than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, if you take something really, really seriously, you're not going to have any joy or fun within it. Talk to somebody about whatever their pet issue is on either side. There's no joy in their voice when they talk about it. Yeah. At all. And eventually we become that way with everything in life.
0: Yeah. And
1: eventually this life becomes just a drag. Like Alan Watts says, drag, you know?
0: I I get in trouble sometimes by going so far in the other direction where I I find the humor in almost everything. Like even in kind of like sad, I mean, obviously I have a heart, so I, I, if if it's a sad thing a situation or a discussion, I can get sad about it. But there's still a part of me that's finding a joke somewhere, or you know, and I, I almost get in trouble, like you know, Mark, this is not funny. This is not something to laugh about. I'm, well, it is kind of funny if you think about. It. <laughs> I, I always find just the humor in almost anything. And uh, oh like, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm I, I man. yeah, I can tell. <laughs> well, what, uh, what all you got going on? I mean, you got so much going on. I don't even know what to, I obviously go buy the book folks. Uh, I guess they can find that on Amazon, but the book, uh, is, yeah. is the, the biggest and late, the, uh, latest and greatest thing right now. Right.
1: It is. And, um, so you can check it out the path to perfectia. So it's the word perfect with an I a at the end path to perfectia. You can get that on amazon i'm actually working on the sequel as we speak nice and um excited to see where the, the story is going to going to go from here and some more modern backdrops and so forth but if if you're really looking for a story that will kind of drive home that it's all a dream and mm-hmm. how that plays out and all the things that we experience and how different souls come together to experience this dream together and how they get each other through different experiences and and all that but ultimately how you have the author's pen mm-hmm. the entire way and you can emotionally relate to this. This is definitely the book for you.
0: That's awesome. And
1: and otherwise, um, building up forty going on four, man. This is just <laughs> it's a it's a really fun thing we're doing, and I have a lot of shorts with it too. Just going to create like a content machine around it. But it's really that idea of just you know finding that inner child again.
0: Is that, that ju- child
1: that we just lost?
0: Yeah. Is is that uh, just on LinkedIn LinkedIn Live? Or are you are you putting that out on like YouTube and other areas?
1: So it is streaming live on LinkedIn and YouTube. Okay. Concurrently. So we actually have a YouTube channel. It's 40 going on four uh, on okay. YouTube. Eventually, once we have enough content, we're going to convert it to the whole Spotify iTunes world. Okay. Um, you know, once uh once there's enough good episodes there. We're getting better each week. I'm not sure we're there yet, but we're uh we're not quite Zen Sandwich. But uh, <laughs> what what is, frankly. Zen <laughs> I mean, Sandwich is the gold yeah. standard.
0: <laughs> uh I won't argue with you there. Um this is an awesome, awesome pop. <laughs> Well, I will I will link all the, the, I'll link the YouTube channel. Of course, I'll link the book uh, where they can pick it up on Amazon and um, yeah, folks, uh, that's it. Go check out uh, 40 going on four and go buy the path to perfect After you do that, do that first, go get the book first. After you do that, if you got a few bucks left over, you can help out this show by going to com. There's two ways to support the show listed at the top of the page. Hey, even just a one-time donation of uh, five bucks helps keep the lights on around here. Jeff, I knew it would be a blast. We didn't touch half of the questions I got for you. I'm already going to have to have you back on. It's an honor to talk with you. And uh, you're an enlightening, humorous fellow. And I really appreciate both of those things. Thank you for your time.
1: I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you so much for having me on. And to all the listeners out there, stay blessed. Love you all.